0: Appreciate you guys leading us in in worship this morning. As I mentioned, it as I started, it, it feels weird. This is a strange, strange morning in many ways. Kind of evidence of living in a fallen world. This is not how the church is supposed to be. And yet, by God's grace, this is some things. These are some things we're able to do this morning. This is also the first time I believe in the history of Bethany Community Church that we have had more people in the front than the back initially. So this is very, yeah. The laugh the laugh sounds are the same, the laugh sounds are the same this morning with no one as with a, a full group. So I, I felt, as I sat down, I felt very off. I thought, boy, that just, it just feels weird to be talking into a camera in an empty room. But then two things happened. One, the worship team began to sing and it, it didn't feel off at all. And then uh, I was able to check the Facebook page and things like that to see how things were streaming, and just the texts, the messages made, just literally brought tears to my eyes uh, to see uh, all of my church family being here in some way, or not all the church family, but all of the church family being here in some ways and, and recognizing that we are, through the grace of technology, we are together in some ways this morning. So, we're excited about that, and we pray that God uses this to accomplish some of the things we, we can't accomplish. We, we recognize it is not healthy for a church not to meet. I don't believe that a digital church is a biblical church. Like, that's not the ideal of what God calls us to be. So, there's some, th- this is not the healthiest thing that a church can do. And yet, in extreme circumstances, this is what we're doing this morning. And in fact, in light of the extraordinary nature of where we find ourselves as a church this morning, the elders are. Asking the church to consider times of prayer and fasting. And because we have a desire that we would understand what it means to pray and to fast rightly, we're going to lay some biblical groundwork for what biblical fasting is as we look at God's word together this morning. So if you have the ability, why don't you uh, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, and we're going to be looking at Jesus' words on fasting. And we're going to be walking through this passage in a little bit of time together this morning. Let me read it and let me pray for us as we continue our time of worship this morning. Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 33. It says, And they said to him, The disciples of John fast often and offer prayers, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink. And Jesus said to them, can you make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? And when the days will come, verse 35, when the bridegroom is taken away from them and then they will fast in those days. He also told them a parable, no one tears a piece from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. If he does, he will tear the new and the piece from the new will not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins, and it will be spilled, and the skins will be destroyed. But new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. And no one, after drinking old wine, desires new, for he says, the old is good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you this morning for your church. And Father, we would ask several things of you this morning. We would ask that you would be with us in this time. We pray that you would help us to, to grasp your word even as we're experiencing the communication of it in a different way. We pray that you would protect our church, I think of our our immediate church first this morning, that the people who call Bethany Community Church their home. I ask your special blessing on them. Lord, we recognize that, that not meeting together is not spiritually healthy. This is not what you have called us to do. And so we, we pray that by your grace, you would restored the ability for us to come together on a weekly basis to praise your name, to, to hear the word, to read the word, to pray the word, to see the word lived out through the Lord's Supper together, that you would allow us to sing the word together. We, we pray that you would bring us to the ability to do that again because we believe that is your will for us. And so, Father, we, we pray for that. We pray for other churches, our other brothers and sisters who are gathered in different ways today throughout the United States, throughout central Illinois, throughout the world. We pray that you would bring your, uh, the ability upon them to be able to gather together. We recognize that there are brothers and sisters in persecuted churches who have not been able to, to meet together for uh, the participation of, of singing and proclaiming your truth to one another for for months, for years. And so we pray for your continued steadfast love towards those brothers and sisters. And we are mindful of them in a way this morning that we are usually not. Father, forgive us for that. Forgive me for that. Allow us to think of them, to pray for them more faithfully. And we pray that you would help our uh, those in our church who are sick. We pray that you would help those who are at risk of becoming sick through this or through other illnesses. We pray that we'd be mindful and, and of them and do a better job caring for them as well. We pray that you would open this word to us this morning by your grace. We pray this through the work of your spirit in the name of your son Jesus. Amen. I think one of the hardest things about what we're going through right now is the, the separation, the, the distance from one another. On Friday night, the deacons and pastor elders gathered together along with our wives. We'd already scheduled this, this time of getting together, and we had dinner together at the church building. And as we left in the evening, there were some, some very sad faces. They were sad because we recognized that it might be quite some time before we're able to, to see some of us again, and that's sad. There's a longing for relationship that we have for one another. I, I'm, a, as you know, kind of a more introverted person, and maybe you saw this, this meme making its way around. You know, The meme says, CDC, uh, be sure to separate, quarantine, stay at home. And then, next line, introvert. I've been preparing for this my whole life. And that that definitely resonated with me. That resonated with me because I'm kind of a person who enjoys being at home. I enjoy being with my family. But I'll tell you this morning, I'm not feeling this way. This is not how things are designed to be. This is much for even an introvert, right? I long to be gathered together. Uh, Someone in the band, uh, Dave said, someone said this line to him, this morning you're just preaching to the choir, right, Literally. Uh, that's, that's not how things are supposed to be. That's not how the church is supposed to operate. And this morning, I think we recognize the hardest thing about this is going to be separation, being, being divided from one another during this time. I believe this, and we're thinking about fasting this morning, thinking biblically about fasting. I believe that longing can be a good thing. The ability to long The ability to to desire relationship, the desire to be restored in relationship is a God-given gift. Longing is a gift that God gives us to allow us to experience the the type of longing that we should have for, for God. And that brings us to fasting. We're going to talk about fasting this morning. Here's kind of the main idea that I want us to think about this morning. Fasting. Is the feast believers partake in as they long for the return of their Redeemer. This morning the elders are calling us to a time of of focused prayer, of of focused fasting. There doesn't need necessarily be fasting from food, as we'll talk about later, but, but what is fasting at its, at its essence? Here in Luke chapter 5, what we see is that fasting is actually a feast. It's something that we partake in as we long for the return of our Redeemer. We're going to talk about some ways to think biblically about what fasting isn't and what it is and how we can engage in this as a church and that God could actually use this, this moment in our church history, this, this moment in the life of Bethany Community Church and the church at large, God can actually use this as a time for some profound things in our lives and the lives of others. So let's look at a couple principles about fasting here from Luke chapter 5. Number one, here's the first thing that I want to see, and, the, and these principles help us answer some questions about fasting. Number one, hunger is not heartache. This tells us what fasting is not. Hunger is not heartache. Fasting isn't just being hungry. Look at chapter 5 of Luke, verse 33, and, and here's what we read. It says, And they said to him, and the they there is Perhaps the disciples of the Pharisees, some Pharisees are there, and some John's disciples we know are there, and some other people are there, we we know from other gospel accounts. And they, this group says to him, the disciples of John fast often and offer prayers, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink. What's happening there is an accusation in, in the context of a comparison. So, Jesus, look, here's your disciples, and your disciples eating and drinking, enjoying things. And then you got the disciples of John. They, they fast regularly. They, they deprive themselves of food regularly. They're, they're austere in their religious observance. And now you've got the Pharisees' disciples. They also go without food. Here's your disciples eating and drinking. What's the deal? The implication is your disciples aren't as religious as these other disciples, there's something lacking in their devotion to God that's not lacking in these other disciples. The accusation is that they're not where they need to be spiritually. Now, fasting at Jesus' time had become extremely legalistic. There were times you could fast, times you had to fast, ways you had to fast, what fasting actually meant. It had become a very external, legalistic thing to do. Everyone knew when you were fasting by the things you were kind of publicly doing, by the clothes that you were wearing, by the expression on your face. It was not about the heart. It was about the externals. In Isaiah, Isaiah tells us that not all fasts are acceptable fasts. Isaiah 53, or sorry, Isaiah 58, verse 3. Isaiah says this, beginning in verse 3. Why have we fasted and you see it not, God? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure, God replies, and repress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. Is such a fast the, the fast that I choose a day for a person to humble himself is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him will you call this a fast and a day acceptable acceptable to the lord is not this the fast that i choose to loose the bonds of wickedness to undo the straps of the yoke to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke in other words what we see in scripture is that fasting isn't just about austere measures that we take. It's not about just depriving ourselves of food or some other thing that we desire. Fasting needs to be the result of a heart that's broken for God and longs for God. So what we see here first is that hunger is not heartache. This is what fasting is not. Fasting is not some just external thing that we do. In fact, catch this this incredibly important point in the text. Even God himself is not spiritual enough for the legalist. So here's God incarnate, Jesus Christ himself, and, and God himself isn't spiritual enough for the legalist. <clears throat> that tells you something. When you read your Bible, no matter how long, no matter how much you give, no matter what ministries you're involved in, no matter what clothing you wear, it's not gonna be enough for the legalist. Hunger is not heartache. Doing something external doesn't change the condition of your heart. So let's look at the second principle from the text here Guests want the groom. What, what, what is a fast? This tells us what fasting is. Look what Jesus says next. He gives this illustration. He says, Can you make wedding guests fast while the, while the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. Now, think about what the purpose of the Old Testament fast was, the, the biblical purpose, not the legalistic thing that had occurred, but what had the purpose of fasting been? Just, just a couple thoughts here. One, as we look at the Old Testament, we see that fasting was associated with sorrow and mourning. So, for example, in 1 Samuel chapter 31, whenever Saul and his, his sons are killed, People take their, their bodies, the bones, they, they bury them and they fast seven days. In Nehemiah chapter one, whenever Nehemiah hears about the condition of the exiles, or those who've returned, it says that I, I sat down and wept and mourned for days and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. So fasting was associated with, with sorrow and, and mourning. There was something internal happening and it, and it manifested itself in the physical A second thing we see here, fasting was done in conjunction in the Old Testament with mourning and repentance. 1 Samuel chapter 7, the people are declaring their intention to to serve the Lord again. There's a time of national revival. The ark returns to the people. It says that Samuel says to the house of Israel, "If if you're legitimately, truly returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the foreign gods from among you and direct your heart to the Lord and serve him only and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines and so the people do so and then Samuel gathers the people together and it says they gathered at Mizpah and they drew water and poured it out before the Lord and they fasted on that day and said there we have sinned against the Lord. So fasting is an expression of something that's taking place in the heart that's often accompanied with repentance. with saying okay here's Here's the yearning of my heart to be in right relationship with God, and so I'm, I'm turning from my sin and back toward the Lord. A third thing about fasting we see in the Old Testament, it was often done in hopes of deliverance. 2 Chronicles chapter 20 talks about how Jehoshaphat was, was afraid, it says in verse 3, and he set his face to seek the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast throughout Judah. So he's fearful, and he fasts, praying for God's deliverance. And that brings up another thing we see about fasting in the Old Testament. Fasting was done in conjunction sometimes with requesting something of the Lord. So 2 Samuel chapter 12, David is, is, is fasting for the health of his child. Ezra chapter 8, it says that Ezra says, I proclaimed a fast there at the river Ahava that we might humble ourselves before, the, before our God to seek from him, a safe journey for ourselves, our children, and all our goods. I was, I was ashamed to ask the king, says Ezra, and so I, I prayed, we fasted, and implored our God for this, and he listened to our entreaties. So fasting in the Old Testament was done sometimes in conjunction with requesting something of the Lord. We, we desire the Lord, we desire to be in relationship with God, we want to see him glorified, and, and here's the way in which we want to see God glorified, and we're going to fast as we yearn from our, our, our internal desires for God as we, we yearn for that it manifests itself in fasting and prayer. Now, now look look again at the text. Let's, that's, that's the Old Testament teaching on fasting. It's conjunction with prayer, repentance. It's done by those who are yearning for God's salvation, who desire Him to act. And now in this text, what's happening? There's this accusation, here's the disciples of, the, of John, here's the disciples of the Pharisees, here's your disciple, fast, fast, no fast, what's the deal? And Jesus says this. He says, imagine a wedding. And imagine telling the wedding guest, you need to fast while the bridegroom is, is with them. And a Jewish wedding was a time of celebration, of, of long times of feasting and celebrating, and it would have been co- completely inappropriate at that moment of times of joy and celebration to engage in a fast. A fast would have not looked right considering what was taking place at that moment. But notice what Jesus says next. He says, but the times will change. The days will come. There's a future time when when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. In other words, there's a, this is today. Today, here I am, the bridegroom, the, the great treasure, the joy, and it would be inappropriate for there to be fasting at this moment, but... He anticipates a time in the future, and that's the time that you and I are in now. There's going to be a time where the bridegroom is removed. And the the picture here is a violent one. You can imagine a a wedding feast, and suddenly the, the bridegroom is taken away from the people who are celebrating. And without the bridegroom, what's there going to be? Sorrow. And that image is the image that helps you and I understand the purpose that God has for fasting. Fasting is not about some sort of external thing we do to force God's hand. It's about a relationship with God and a recognition that the relationship has not been fully realized as we desire it to be. It's looking forward to the future and a longing for that restoration of, of relationship. Jesus' point is our actions reflect the reality of the circumstances and the relationships. So imagine this, imagine Whitney and I were planning on going on a date this week and we're all excited about it. We're looking forward to going together. I, I leave in the morning. I say, can't wait to spend time with you this evening. We're going to have an amazing time. We're going to go see uh, Emma, the new Emma movie. And the theaters are going to be empty, which is my favorite type of theater. And it's just going to be this amazing, we'll bring Lysol and stuff. It's going to be this amazing time of watching Emma together. And, and she's excited about it and I'm excited about it. And then uh, I come home in the evening and, and she's sick. And I say, no problem. I'll just enjoy the movie without you, right? That that doesn't make sense. The the, the point of of going and doing this thing wasn't about the activity, it was about the person. The the activity was external to the the true joy. The true joy is the relationship with Whitney, with my wife, with the the time with her. Jesus said, look, if, if you're just Fasting to fast, you don't understand the relationship. There's a, there's a time right now, I'm with my disciples, there's going to be a time when I'm gone, and that's the time to fast, and that's the time we find ourselves in right now. For the Christian... Fasting is an expression of yearning for Jesus Christ. In Habits of Grace, David Mathis puts it this way, fasting is an exceptional measure designed to channel and express our desire for God and holy discontent in a fallen world. Right now, we are in a fallen world. I am looking around this morning and seeing profound evidence of being in a fallen world and I'm not content with that. There's a godly discontent Not in the sovereign circumstances that God has placed me in, but a a discontent in recognizing this is not how things should be apart from living in a fallen world. Fasting, Mathis goes on to write, is for those who are not satisfied with the status quo, for those who want more of God's grace, for those who truly, truly feel desperate for God. Donald Whitney puts it this way. Fasting can be an expression of finding your greatest pleasure and enjoyment in life from God. He quotes Matthew Henry who says, Fasting serves to put an edge upon devout affections. For the Christian, fasting is an expression of our yearning for Jesus Christ. All spiritual disciplines, prayer, reading the Bible, are expressions of, of our longing for Jesus. And when we, when we fast, when we deprive ourselves of food or something else for a period of time, we're focusing on relationship, not some sort of ritual. We're praying that the glory of God would be manifest in a certain area of our lives. Maybe it's a time of repentance or God working in a, a relationship or God working in a circumstance. Here's the third thing I want us to think about then. So hunger is not heartache. It's not about just being hungry. Guests want the groom. That's what fasting is, wanting wanting Jesus. And here's the third thing. Fasters are feasters. Why do we fast? Because we're trying to to feast upon God. Jesus tells them of the parable, and I'm not going to go into the parable in in great depth, but but basically he's saying this. He talks about the cloth and tearing a piece of cloth from a new garment and putting on an old and how that doesn't work and putting... Old wine into new wineskins doesn't work. And and what he's saying is this. Not not that his ministry is obliterating the Old Testament or his ministry is the same as the Old Testament, the Old Covenant ministry. There's there's something new that's happening that's, that's fulfilling what the Old Covenant pointed to. The focus, though, of things like fasting has changed. In the Old Testament, they were anticipating future salvation. We live in this time of already not yet. We're looking back on what's already been accomplished, and we're looking forward to its completion. Our fasting is is different. As John Piper puts it, what's new is that the fasting is not a hope for that which has not yet been tasted. It's a hope of consummation that has already been fulfilled in Jesus. We're hungry, not because we've tasted, but because we have. We have begun to experience the beauty of relationship with Jesus, and we're looking forward to the full consummation of that relationship. And so, at times, in special circumstances, we fast and we pray. And because the Christian fast is all about Jesus, this is why God often chooses to respond to our fasting, because it's all about Jesus. Not because we're showing him how serious we are, not because there's some sort of work that we're doing, but because he wants to give us more of him when it's he that we long for. And fasting helps us long, for Jesus, let me give you uh, some suggestions as you fast, and then I'm going to give you some some goals for our time together. I'd encourage you to have a proper attitude toward fasting. Fasting doesn't have to be fasting from food. Uh, we're calling the church. We're encouraging the church to spend a special time of prayer and fasting on Friday, March the 20th. Friday, March the 20th, as a church. Spend special times of prayer and fasting, but not everyone can fast from food. Not everyone can fast for a long period of time. Some of you with weakened immune systems, like this is the last thing you need to be doing is depriving yourself of physical nourishment. But for those who are healthy, for those who have the ability, we would encourage you to consider this. Is this something God's calling you to do? To spend a time of, of focused prayer and fasting. And as you as you feel the, the pain of hunger, have that, okay, I Just I, I long for physical nourishment. I, I, that's a, a picture of my longing, the longing that I should have. For Jesus. The primary purpose of our fast is the glory of God. We want to yearn for him. But now let me, let me give you some secondary things we would encourage you to think about in terms of a, a time of prayer and fasting. Number one, a goal would be to treasure Christ. And this is the, the primary goal. would be to treasure Christ as we yearn for his return. Secondly, a second goal would be that God would display the beauty of Christ in our gospel witness during this time. You and I are going to have some incredible opportunities with people to, to point to our hope in Jesus Christ. And we need to be in a time of special prayer that God would allow us to use this time to display the beauty of Jesus Christ in our gospel witness. To Spend time of focused prayer praying for that. Thirdly, repent of our love for the world as we grow in our love for Christ. There are you know, we were even talking this morning as a group about how, how concerned should we be about this, this illness and how dangerous is it and how dangerous is it not. And I think we can all agree that, that certainly illnesses are going to strike all of us at different times and in different ways with different levels of severity. And right now in our country, even besides the illness, and we recognize that some people are going to be profoundly ill, there are going to be tremendous economic consequences that all of us face. And there are going to be some things all of us experience. Let me put it this way. There are going to be some losses that all of us experience. There are going to be financial loss. There are going to be perhaps some relational losses. There are going to be some job losses. There are going to be some profound things that we lose. And as we fast and pray together, let's ask that God would help us to repent of our love for the world. And as he graciously takes some things from us, he would help us, grow in our love for Christ. A fourth thing that we hope that God accomplishes us, in us through this fast, that we provide for the physical healing of our community. We do ask that our immediate community and our wider community, that God would provide for physical healing. And then finally, that God would provide for the physical and financial needs of our church. We had actually thought about calling the church months ago. As so we thought about this this month, we said, we don't, we don't normally do prayers and fasting. Maybe it would be a good thing to call the church to more regular times of prayer and fasting. Maybe one of those things could be praying for the financial needs of the church to get ready to approve a budget. Well, that of course has, has become more pronounced right now. We recognize that there are going to be layoffs. There are going to be people who normally go into work who are told not to come into work because there's no one there for them to serve or to do things for. So we recognize that there are going to be some severe physical financial needs of our church as a body and individuals within our church so let's pray and fast for those we fast we deprive ourselves from things that god would normally say are fine to have we we do so not to force god's hand not because we don't trust god but because we do because we yearn for a deeper and fuller relationship with him he is our ultimate So a time of fasting is a time of depriving ourselves. A time of prayer and fasting is a time of depriving ourselves. But it's not a time of depriving ourselves without something to sustain us. Fasting is actually a feast. It's a time where we feast upon God himself. Fasting is the feast believers partake in as they await the return of the Redeemer. Let me pray for us as we get ready to to close in, in singing here. Heavenly Father, we recognize your incredible kindness and grace upon us and upon our community. We recognize that that where you have brought us this morning is a a sign of your grace. You have forced us out of our our normal routine to cause us to think about things we wouldn't normally think about. We pray, Father, that we would be faithful to do these things well. We pray that you would provide us with, with opportunities to care for people we wouldn't normally care about. We, we pray that you provide us for opportunities to share the gospel with people we wouldn't normally share the gospel with. Lord, as you shake us from our normal routine, we pray that you and your grace would cause us to love you more and to love others more, to fulfill the Great Commission more and more in our lives. We pray for healing for those who are sick. We pray for provision for those who are suffering. We pray that we would be the instruments that you use to meet the needs of others, For those who are too sick to get out right now, we pray that you would give them patience. We pray that you would help them to be faithful, to spend the time where they're away from other people in faithful prayer. Father, we anticipate that you're going to do amazing things through this time. We anticipate that you're going to use this time of of focused prayer as we have less on our our calendars potentially for some of us. We, We trust that you're going to use that time of focused prayer to do amazing things in our community today and throughout eternity. We trust you for that, and we pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.